will lead me safely home. Heaven fair is beyond compare, all its wonders I'll see. That's it. Yeah. We, his name is Jesus Christ, my Lord. With him I never am alone. I've no fear, for my Lord is near. He will lead me safely home. Now the piano. You're doing great. Now verse 3. Everyone ready? By God's grace, when I've run my race, I will reach heaven's shore. How I long for redemption song to be sung evermore. His name is Jesus Christ, my Lord. With him I never am alone. I've no fear, for my Lord is near. He will lead me safely home. I've no fear, for my Lord is near. You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, if you would, please. Find your place in the Word of God. Thank you for learning that song. And I'm glad the, the grandchildren, Miss Linda, that they uh, got a hold of that song. I'm happy about that. And we're turning there to 2 Timothy. It's where we're turning in the Bible. But I'm, I'm just delighted to hear that. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And, uh, well, it's kind of sad, the final service. Wow, it went by fast. feels like I just arrived, and it's time for me to move on. That's what we evangelists do. We blow in, blow up, and blow on. You know what I'm saying? That's what we do. And I'll, uh, I'll be tomorrow night in Coon Rapids, God willing, God willing, Coon Rapids, Minnesota. That sounds like a good place, doesn't it? Coon Rapids. What's that? I lived there. You did? Well, that's where I'm headed. Nathan Houston is the pastor I'll be with tomorrow night, and looking forward to that. And then I just don't know where all I am. I think I'm three different locations on Tuesday, and then three different locations on Wednesday, and then I've got a Thursday morning breakfast, and then I get on a plane and fly home. Praise the Lord. And, uh, yeah, lots of um, meetings with different people who are running for office. We've interviewed about 25 folk that are running for office, and I'll tell you this. Running for U.S. you know congressional offices, House of Representatives. You know there's uh, 435 seats in the House of Representatives, and you're gaining one here in Montana. You're growing. You're getting more people. Yeah, isn't that good? You're not that happy about it, huh? <laughs> we want to know where you're coming from. Okay. We like our state, and don't bring any of those funny ideas here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand. But uh, I'm glad you're picking up a seat. I love Montana. But we've interviewed, I think, about 25 
folk running for Congress. And we've got some people that believe this Bible running for Congress, and we need more of that. And with a biblical worldview and just an understanding of the truth, truth really has fallen in the streets when we're confused about the most basic things. Um, at least some people are confused. It's not that hard. A family is a mom and a dad and the kids, you know. It's not that complicated. If the Lord allows children, it's mom, dad, and the kids. And um, praise the Lord. And I'm glad for all these children. They've, um, they've had a good time. I'll tell you, I just watch Xander run all around this place, and I get tired watching him, you know. And he'll fall down, but he bounces right back up. I, we fall down. Uh. I've learned some things about falling. The bigger you are, the harder you fall. It's not good. The older you get, the longer it hurts. <laughs> I just don't ever want to fall again. <laughs> but uh, little Xander, I saw him fall, but he just jumped right back up, you know. Bless his heart. And he's encouraged me this week. All the children have encouraged me. The young people. Miss Miley, she just sits all over the place. She's back in that corner tonight. Have you, have you ever sat in that exact seat in a church service? This first time back there, you're just going to try all the seats out? Is that what you're trying to do? Amen. Miley, we're thrilled you're with us tonight. And everybody who's with us tonight, thank you very much. Last chance to get some of these CDs. I hope you will. Um, safely home. we got about six of those left back there. And then um, there's just a, a couple of three of the children's CDs left and other CDs back there. And um, get them if you wish, if you believe it's God's will. Give them away to friends, whatever you... God leads you to do. Let's get in the Bible. Here we are. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. But continue. There's that magnificent word. Continue. Oh, young Timothy boy. Young preacher boy. 2 Timothy 3, 14. But continue, son. Hey, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee. I, who is it? The old preacher Paul charged thee. Thee is the young preacher Timothy. The old preacher is charging the young preacher. The old believer is charging the young believer. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing and his kingdom. Here's the charge. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The title of tonight's sermon is simply continue. Continue. We find that word in verse 14. But continue. Now the word continue is translated from a Greek word pronounced this way. Minnow. Huh. Like you go fishing and you use a little piece of bait and sometimes you'll put a minnow on your hook to try to catch a fish. A minnow, that's the way it's pronounced. Minnow. Well, what does minnow mean? It means continue, all right? <laughs> Stay with it. Abide. Keep your hand to the plow. Do not turn back. 
Continue, continue, stay with it. Now the word continue is found a lot in the Bible. Let me read you a few places in the Bible where the word continue is found. John 15 and verse 9. Jesus said, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And then he says this, Continue ye in my love. Acts 13, 43. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Oh, that's a, that's a good encouragement there. Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Good. Oh, the next one. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I was preaching at a church that I've preached in many, many times through the years. And just before the service, I was making sure I had my CDs up here to kind of show to the crowd, making sure I had my music and had my before the service. And I'm making sure I've got my notes ready and and just and a lady comes and stands about right here that I've spoken with many, many times and prayed with many times. She's a bit of an older lady. And she came and she said to me before the service, she said, Brother Fox, would you pray with me about my besetting sin again? I said, no, no, I will not do that. You and I have talked about this, we've prayed about this, we've just talked and we prayed and we talked and we prayed, and now I'm just going to tell you, stop it. Amen. Oh, my goodness, that shocked her. And I'll be honest with you, it kind of shocked me too. Sometimes the preacher has to reprove and rebuke. Now, I don't like doing it, but I must do it. And she was a little upset with me. She went back and sat down in a little huff and all that. Later on she came and said, that's what I need to do. That's what all of us need to do with our besetting sin. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Amen. That sounds pretty good. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Yes. Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound, God forbid. Amen. Galatians 2.5, to whom we gave place of subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue. Philippians 1.25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and joy of faith. Colossians 1.23, if we continue in the faith. Colossians 4.2, Continue in prayer. And then we come to our beautiful text. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. All right, I've got a simple, simple little sermon tonight. This is what the Lord has laid on my heart for this evening. It's on the word continue. There's some things right here at Galilee Baptist Church that absolutely must continue. Like number one. Number one. Reaching young people with the gospel and teaching them the truth of the Bible, that must continue. Praise God for the little six-year-old young lady who received Christ today. Isn't everyone in this room happy 
that we had junior church today and that we had church services today and that we had uh, teachers who worked with them and a pastor who took the Bible and carefully led the young lady to Christ. Hallelujah. We must continue reaching young people. In this passage, we've got a young man who was reached, a young man, Timothy. He was reached. Now, who reached Timothy? Well, let's see. Was it his father? Well, we don't know a lot about his father. We know that his father was a Greek, but there's not one word in the Bible about Timothy's dad speaking to young Timothy on spiritual matters. Now look, every father ought to be a Christian man. Amen. And every dad should be very busy leading his family in the truth and the uh, fear and admonition of the Lord and ought to be teaching his children and ensuring his children are in church. My buddy who will join me tomorrow, Brother Chad, he'll join me tomorrow. He, he's going to say this to the crowd tomorrow night. When I was a boy, I had a drug problem. My dad drugged me to church. <laughs> He drug me to Sunday school. He drug me to Sunday night church. He drug me to youth meeting. He drug me to Wednesday night church. He just kept drugging. He just drugged me all along. Yeah, that's the kind of drug problem we need. Amen. Dad said, hey, we're going to church. Amen. Hey, we're going to read our Bible now. Hey, we're going to pray now. Hey, we're going to serve the Lord today. Come on, family, let's serve God. Let me teach you something I read in the Bible yesterday. Dads ought to be busy leading their family for the Lord. Amen to that. But we don't find that about Timothy's dad. It's not in the Bible. But you know what it is? Timothy had a good mama. See, likewise, every mama ought to be a Christian mama. And every Christian mama ought to do her best to keep herself unspotted from the world and live a noble, dedicated exemplary Christian life, amen to all that. About the last line of defense for a country is ladies of honor. You read the book of Romans. When the ladies lose all their honor, nations sunk. Nations sunk. Well, Timothy's mom, oh, she was a good lady. She loved the Lord. Everybody knew that. Her boy knew that. And that mama... Timothy's mama taught him the Bible. But not only that, young Timothy didn't just have a Christian mama, he had a Christian grandmother. <laughs> Every grandmother ought to be a Christian lady, ought to be serving God. Oh, I've got a YouTube channel. I've talked about my mama too. That's what we call her. She was mama number two for us. She was mama two. <laughs> I've never heard any group of grandchildren call their grandmother mama two. That, 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 was our, that was our grandmother. Mama two. Yeah, all of us boys. There's a bunch of boys. All of us boys being raised up. And mama two was right in there helping us. She'd play ball with us. And uh, she could make that banana pudding. Woo, boy, she could make banana pudding. And she used a wooden spoon to cook with but she could also use that wooden spoon to get a boy's attention sometimes she'd just say to me Byron and she'd hold that spoon up and it would affect my behavior <laughs> just looking at that spoon <laughs> my mama too helped me to know the Lord I'm glad of that I'm glad that young Timothy 
had a grandmother. So every grandmother ought to know the Lord too and ought to be doing her best to lead the grandchildren in the ways of the Lord. And this young man, this young man Timothy here, oh yeah, he's got a wonderful mama and he's got a wonderful grandmama. Anybody in this room ever heard of a man named Abraham Lincoln? Uh, you have? Yeah. He, he's on that $5 bill. He's on that penny. Yeah. And Abraham Lincoln, oh, you know, he had a good mama. He had a good mama. And um, his mama died when he was just nine years old. Oh, that's so young, is it not? That's so young. Nine years old boy loses mama. We remember that politician, Abraham Lincoln, with a little nickname, Honest Abe. How did he get that nickname? Because he's honest. I think every politician ought to be honest. Amen. Every Christian ought to be honest. Well, Abraham, how'd you... How did you become so honest? He'd say, well, I had the best mama, he'd say. And until I was nine years old, my mom would get her up in her lap and she'd read the Bible to me. And he'd say the passage she read to me the most was the Ten Commandments. And she'd explain the Ten Commandments to me, including thou shalt not bear false witness. One time, Abraham Lincoln was a young man, and he told someone, said, yeah, I did that last Tuesday. And he started walking to his next destination. He'd walked for about a mile when he realized it wasn't last Tuesday. It was last Monday. He turned around and walked the mile back and said, wait a minute, I, I told you wrong. It wasn't Tuesday, that was Monday. You mean you'd walk all the way back to, to clarify that? Well, he did. Because his mama had taught him. And the Word of God burned in his heart. And young Timothy, hey, young Timothy, we want you to continue. What you've been taught about the Lord, what you've been taught about the Scriptures, you continue with it, son. Do, do not bend to the world and do not go astray. No, don't go to the far country, son. No, you keep your eyes on the Lord. You keep serving God. Amen. And our church right here must continue teaching the boys and girls the truth. Somebody's going to reach the children right here in Montana, and it needs to be us. Amen. So we've got to keep that bus. And we've got to keep the Sunday school going. And we've got to have vacation Bible school. And we've got to have children's crusades. I mean, all the, you name it, we've got to try to do it. We've got to. We must. You know, I like our building, don't y'all? I like the building. I tell you, I like the children better than I like the building. Oh, yeah, I like all the nice things that we have. I love our Bibles, of course. I love our Savior. But praise God for the children, and it must continue. We must continue reaching the boys and girls. Number one, Reaching the young people with the gospel and teaching them the truth of the Bible must continue, friends. It's indispensable. Number two, translating the Bible, printing the Bible, and distributing the Bible must continue. Yeah, translating the Bible, printing the Bible, and distributing the Bible must continue. It's vital it's vital. It must continue. Down in chapter 4, verse 2, the, here's the charge. Preach the Word. Okay, how's young Timothy going to preach the Word if he doesn't have a copy of the Word? How are we going to send church planters around the world to plant churches if they don't have Bibles? They must have Bibles. And they must have a Bible in their language. All these different languages in the world. I learned something some time back. I was in a class 
A fellow named Dale Money was up teaching the class. Oh, he talked for about 45 minutes. He's talking about all the different people groups in the world and all the different cultures and all that. And he began telling us how many people groups did not have the Bible translated into their language. I'm sitting there going, this is not right. Why in the world after 2,000 years have we not gotten the Bible translated into every language? So I said to him afterwards, I said, Brother Money, what's your call to action in your little presentation? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, I don't know either. I said, but the Holy Spirit called me to action anyway. I said, Brother Dale, put a call to action in that thing when you do it next. Come on, folks, let me give you some assignments on what you can do to help us get this thing done. I said, do that, Brother Money. And Brother Money is a wonderful fellow. I'm not saying that critically of him. I'm trying to help him like he helps me. And uh, I said, I'll tell you what. You tell me there's 1,200 people, groups that don't have the Bible. I said, all right, give me the list. And I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. I, I, not 1,200. Don't give me 1,200. I said, give me the first four on your list. So he sent me the first four. First one on the list, A-C-E-H. A-C-E-H. Who in the world are the A-C-E-H people? Well, I went to the computer, got that World Wide Web, you know. A-C-E-H. I didn't know how to pronounce it. How do you pronounce this? So I got there and I learned it's pronounced A-C-E. A-C-E. Try it with me. Ready? A-C-E. Good job. A-C-E. Yeah. The Achanese. A-C-E. There's about 5 million of them. About 4.9 million. Right at 5 million Achanese. They need a Bible. All right? I said, I'll tell you what. I'll just translate the Bible. I said, I've got Google Translate on my computer. I'll just tell you something. It's not that easy. I found out real fast that I am not a linguistic man. I am not a Bible translator. Like, oh, no. So I, so I started trying to find me someone who could translate. I said, there's got to be somebody who can translate the Bible into Achanese. There's got, I couldn't find anybody. So I began contacting people in Aceh. Aceh is one of the 37 provinces in Indonesia. And I, talk, I contacted the zoo. I thought, oh, those people there at the zoo, they must be able to talk their language real well. And so I'm, I'm, I'm communicating back and forth with them. And I mentioned Jesus and all communication stopped. Because they're 99.9% they're .9 Muslims. And as soon as they found out that it was really about Jesus and the Bible, it ended. So that was the zoo. So I said, well, I'll find me a museum. And I started communicating with the museum, and they thought maybe I'd come see their museum. And, uh, you know, we're talking back and forth, mentioned Jesus. It ended. And pastor, I wasn't having, I wasn't having any success. So I'll tell you what it did. I got me 300 little bands, little green bands to put on your wrist for children. And it, as I'd go church to church, I'd bring the children forward, and I'd give each of them a band, and it says, Pray for Aceh. And I got me 300 American children praying with me for a breakthrough. I told all of them, and I told the church, I said, I haven't had a breakthrough, and I'm trying to have a breakthrough. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know the job has to get done. We've got to do it. And boy, those children, they'd get on the altar, they'd pray. Children just seem like they believe God, you know. Oh, they'd, they'd pray, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, show us what to do, show us what to do. 
Man, we kept praying, kept praying. Ah, I've got to shorten the story here. Make a long story short, there's a Achanese fellow came to Florida. Woo! You know that Achanese fellow got saved? Amen. He's a tiny little businessman over there in Ache. Got me a deputy. <laughs> All right, he's going back to Ache. Okay. We got a, I got him in touch with some Bible translators. Make a very long story short, we've got parts of the Bible translated now into Achanese. Good. We've got Sunday school lessons. I'm not going to mention the man's name. I'm not going to do that for fear they might kill him. However, he's led five more people to Christ now. Amen, Amen to that. And he's doing something. My wife says, you going to go over there? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I like living. How about y'all? They might want to kill me. I don't know. I thought about going over there, getting close, and letting those folk that gotten saved come out and see me someplace safer. You know what I'm saying? But there's people groups all around the world that does not have, they do not have the Bible. And many of these, they can't read. So if you translate it, you then have to put it in audio form and give some kind of device that they can listen to the Bible. Oh, so they listen to it on some device. This has got to happen. Dr. Charles King, Dr. King's about 80 two or 83 years old. He started bearing precious seed. It's a ministry out of a church in Ohio printing the Bible. Then he started FBI. He started the FBI, yeah, First Bible International. <laughs> and he, though he's not a Bible translator, he got him some Bible translators and produced the Mongolian Bible. Wonderful. Took him eight years to get it done. But they got it done. And he got a printing press into Mongolia, and they're printing the Bible right there in Mongolia. Praise God. So he, he said, Brother Fox, let's go out to eat. Well, I'm into that. I like that. I said, only if you let me buy. Okay. He let me buy. Good. He said, Brother Fox, I want to ask you to do something. I said, what's that? He said, I want you to start the school of translation with me. I said, What? I said, and I told him the story about the Achanese. I said, I, I, I can't. Man, I said, Dr. Keene, I am not a linguistic man. Dr. Keene leaned across the table. He said, you're not a handsome man either. <laughs> These are my friends, you know. I said, well, that's true. I said, what could I do? He said, you know a lot of preachers. I said, yes, I do. He said, couldn't you get a bunch of preachers together and let me tell them how much we need to get this done? I said, oh, I can get preachers together and let you speak to them. He said, let's do that. He said, now, you know how to raise money, don't you? I said, yeah, a lot of people get me to raise money for them. I said, this coming Friday night, I'm doing a fundraiser at a Christian camp. <laughs> I'm the fellow they keep calling on to raise the money. Okay. We've raised a million dollars. The School of Translations in its second year of operation now. We have 18 young people there learning how to translate the Bible. It's got to happen. And it's got to happen through the local church. Do you know in America we've only got about 12 independent Baptist churches that print the entire Bible? 12. And so Dr. Keene and I and several of us, we had the first that we know of, Bible Publishing Summit. We came together. 
from across America, the 12. And then we brought track publishers in and other ancillary things as well. We began networking. We got to work together. There's a big job. And I, I began to kind of moderate, and people started giving equipment to each other and uh, learning how to ship together and uh, good things. Friends, I'm telling you, this kind of work has to continue. This young man, Timothy, he's got to have him a Bible. When he goes out there to start a church, he's got to have a Bible. Wherever he goes, he must have Bibles to give away. Down there in <coughs> Florida, Volusia County, there's a pastor down there, and he got a big burden. 30,000 people, 30,000 homes, more people than that, 30,000 homes in his county, 30,000 homes in his county, Volusia County, Florida. So he went to a Bible publisher, and he said, look, I need 30,000 bonded leather Bibles. And he said, I need your very best price. And they said, okay, 30,000 will be $240,000, each. He said, I don't have $240,000. He said, I got $150,000 right now if you'll give them to me. They said, they're yours. So he took them back to Florida. And he told his church, now look, we're going to, have to go door to door, to every door, and we've got to give these Bibles. He said, if we're going to reap the right harvest, we've got to plant the right seed. And he said, I believe in our county, every person, every home in our county needs a Bible in it. I heard about it. I took three of my staff. We got on a plane, flew down there. I said, I've got to get in on this. I want to help. I want to go door to door with you. I want to see how you're doing this. And we were assigned, we, we were given little we were given little suitcases. Yeah, I got a blue suitcase. Had 20 Bibles in it. I had a list. And uh, I went to my doors. I knocked on the door. My name is Byron Fox. I'm from Volusia County Baptist Church, and we'd like to give a Bible to your house. You want to give a Bible to me? Yes, we'd like to give a Bible to you, if you, if you would, please. Well, how much does it cost? Oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not charging. Well, sir, why would you want to give our family a Bible? Well, because our preacher believes that everybody ought to have a Bible. You're just giving this Bible to us, they'd say. Yes. Could I possibly get two of them? Well, yeah, I'll give you a second one. There's people that have been saved in that county because of that Bible. There's people that are now members of that church. They run about a thousand. Part of it is, is because of that Bible that they put into every home. It took them two years to get it done. It's a big job. They, they wouldn't just leave it at the door. No, 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 no. They had to make contact. And they had a lady who, boy, she was very organized. <laughs> when I came back, she said, where's my paperwork? <laughs> I mean, she, she was all business, you know what I'm saying? I like that. Oh, she's an executive secretary. And my brother, I'm telling you, she was doing a great job. And I salute her. And that church, look, there's some things that must continue. Reaching the boys and girls with the truth of the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that must continue. Translating the Bible, printing the Bible, distributing the Bible, that's got to continue. And then number three, lastly, preachers being trained for the next generation, it's got to continue. It's got to continue. We've got to do what we can here at our church. We've got to do something. I don't know if we... Need to support a Bible college. But I know this, we probably ought to be praying that God would raise us up a preacher boy right here in our church. Amen. We've got boys here tonight. 
Just wonder, who's it going to be? Let me testify a little bit. I got saved when I was eight years old. We were an unchurched family. Got saved. I began walking to Sunday school. And my pastor loved me. He spent time with me. He talked with me. My Sunday school teachers loved me. They taught me my first memory verse. They taught me the Bible. Praise God for Sunday school teachers that work with children. My fifth and sixth grade Sunday school teacher, we separated the boys and girls at fifth, gra fifth grade there at the church. And fifth and sixth grade boys, we're all in that class. Don Ferris was our, our Sunday school teacher. Don Ferris, he's a telephone repairman. Oh, he's a big strapping fellow. He's only 29 years old and um, had a remarkable testimony. He came to beat the preacher up one night because he was so upset because his wife had gotten saved. And before it was all over, Don got saved. Amen. <laughs> My preacher's kind of tough right back at him <laughs> and led him to Christ. <laughs> Wonderful story. And now he'd been saved about three or four years. And I've never seen a Sunday school teacher work so hard. We boys so carnal. He, would he couldn't get us to learn our memory verse, so he started paying us. Boys, now I'll pay you next week if you learn your verse. Isn't that pitiful? that we boys didn't love the Lord enough to learn the memory verses on our own. He'd pay us. He was so desperate for us to learn the Bible. What a Sunday school teacher. That was fifth and sixth grade. I was reading this Bible. I was listening to remarkable preaching. I was 13 years old, and God called me. Me. I walked forward at church. It was Pastor Dudley. Preacher Dudley said, um, uh, Why have you come, Byron? I said, God, 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 God's called me. I stuttered. Pastor Dudley said, Has God called you to preach? I said, N No, sir. He's called me to be a servant. That is God's call on my life, is just to be a servant of the Lord. Pastor, I thought I'd all lifelong be an assistant to a pastor and fill his car up with gas and clean the poison ivy off the property and cut the grass and just assist, go soul winning and just, just do whatever I could just to help the preacher. I thought that was my lifelong call. And if you ask me today, what's God called you to do? He's just called me to be a servant. I get to preach a lot. I get to do a lot of things. But I'm just a servant of the Lord. Pastor Dudley heard that. He said, God's called you to be a servant? I said, yes. He turned me around. He said, everybody, hey, Byron's been called by God. God's called him to be a servant. He could talk. I couldn't talk. I stuttered and stammered. Yeah, it's terrible, pitiful. And Brother Scott, here's what Pastor Dudley did. Pastor Dudley has me up there, and he tells everybody I've been called to be a servant. And he looked over at Jimmy, our song leader. He said, hey, Jimmy, Thursday night, take him out soul winning. Teach him how to win souls. And every Thursday night, Jimmy Powell took me soul winning. Door knocking, making special visits, just whatever. Jimmy would come by my house. I'm a 13-year-old kid. He'd pick me up and would take me. Jimmy invested in me. 
The men of the church invested in me. The pastor invested in me. And I, I went off to Bible college. I graduated early. At 16 year old, years old, I was a senior. Oh. And back in those days, they'd hire seniors to drive the school buses. I was a 16-year-old bus driver in Virginia. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Hey, sit down back there. I'll come back there and spank you myself. I said, sit down. A 16-year-old? That's crazy. Should be against the law. It is against the law now. That's how bad off we were in Virginia all those years ago. 16-year-old school bus driver. And I graduated early and went off to Bible college early and got called to be on a church staff at Bethel Baptist Church. I'm now 19 years old. A 19-year-old assistant pastor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was a genius back then. You know what I'm saying? I knew about everything at age 19. I don't even know the questions now, but I knew all the answers back then. And I got licensed to be a preacher by the church. And uh, then I went before the group for interrogation about being ordained. And Pastor Perisher, my pastor that I was serving alongside of, he knew I was not a very uh, eloquent speaker. He said, Byron, I've got an idea for you. For your ordination council, why don't you write out your doctrinal paper? He knew that would help me so I wouldn't get befuddled and not know anything when I was in there. So I write out, wrote out my, my doctrinal paper. How many of you have ever typed on a manual typewriter? Yeah. Okay, this was originally on a manual typewriter. It's now been, it's now been through the computer. And my doctrinal paper has changed. The three grammar errors have now been fixed. Amen. Praise the Lord. The doctrine's the same, but the syntax is right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to have the temerity to read a little of this. I'm a kid with illustrious pastors. I'm sitting there as a Friday morning. I believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. I believe every word of the Bible is written under the direct influence of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Bible is without error and is accurate in every detail. The Bible is the foundation of my Christian faith. I believe in the virgin birth of the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, was conceived by the Holy Ghost in the Virgin Mary. Jesus was not contaminated by sin. He had a sinless birth, he lived a sinless life, and he died a sinless substitute for everybody. Belief in the sinless Son of God is an indispensable foundation to Christianity. I believe in the vicarious substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ for the sins of the world. He became sin for us. As a substitute, Christ died for the sinner and suffered the terrible consequences of sin. Anyone who denies the efficacy blood atonement is not a Christian. Without the blood of Christ, a sinner could not be forgiven, redeemed, or justified. I believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If the body of Jesus had remained in the grave, then the benefits of Calvary and the promises of Christ would have been unfulfilled. But Jesus rose on the third day as he predicted with victory over sin and death. 
The physical resurrection is an absolute necessity to complete the plan of salvation. It is a fundamental of the Christian faith. I believe that Jesus Christ will return to earth to fulfill all that he promised. The plan that God began, he will complete. Christ is coming for his own. He will judge the sinner and he will reward the saint. God's promises to Israel will be fulfilled and on it goes. So Brother Fox, that's pretty good doctrine. That's great doctrine. That's Bible doctrine. So well, Brother Fox, how would you do that as a young man? How'd you? I didn't do that by myself. Oh, no, no, no. I had Dr. Gene Parrish, who's my pastor, teaching me. I had Pastor Rod Bell teaching me. I had Walt Coles teaching me. I had Paul Hawkins teaching me. Oh, I'd already been to Bible college. Now I'm an assistant pastor, and these preachers were pouring their lives into a kid preacher, teaching me Bible doctrine. Is Bible doctrine important? Amen. Brother, it is. And the children may be saying, I wonder what doctrine means. Doctrine simply means teaching, Bible teaching. The principles of the Word of God, Bible teaching, Bible doctrine. You know what America's starving for? Bible doctrine. You know, people fuss and feud about what kind of preacher do we do? Do we need an expository preacher? Do we need a topical preacher? Do we need a textual preacher? What kind of preacher? We need a preacher who preach Bible doctrine to us. We're starving for it. Would you stand with me? Look, we've got to continue, friends. I don't know how tired you are. I don't know how weary you may be, but look, we've got to continue. We cannot quit. Our church can not quit. We can't even let up. It's not time to let up. It's time to continue. We want all the preacher boys to continue. We want all the pastors to continue. We want all the Sunday school teachers to continue. We want all the church members to continue. We want our song leader to continue. We want everybody to continue. I want our pianist to come and find the song. I, have, um, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. I told you the other day, at times I'm so weary when I get up and get up at all kind of hours. I guess I'll be on the parking lot at 4 a.m. in the morning. To get to the airport in time, it's 4 a.m. right here. But I'm supposed to be a soldier of the Lord, right? Amen, I am. Sometimes I have to give myself a little pep talk. By the way, I took a nap this afternoon thinking about how early I had to get up. I slept about 30 minutes. It was great. I've got a plan to sleep on that plane if I can. I don't know. I've got work to do. And you have work to do. Can I tell you? Hey, it's not God's will for preachers to lead everybody in Montana to Christ. That's not God's will. There's not enough preachers in Montana to get the job done. <laughs> It's for all of God's people to be soul winners. <laughs> We've got to continue soul winning. We, we had visitors here today. Somebody gave somebody a little flyer, and they came today. You know, giving out flyers still does work. Not as good as we, we wish everybody came, but it's still, we've got to continue doing it. Well, I don't see a lot of fruit. You've got to continue. I was out door knocking last August. 
time out door knocking in Winchester, Virginia. And while I'm out, a preacher texted me and said to me, it came up, door knocking no longer works in America. And I'm out door knocking. And the man I've got with me is a man named Doug. I said, Brother Doug, let's take a selfie together. And we took a picture together. And I texted it to the gentleman who had sent that to me. And I said, tell Brother Doug that. I said, because last year, I led Brother Doug to Christ out door knocking. He's now a church member. He's been baptized. He's in the church. And he's out door knocking with me today. Amen. Why don't you tell him it doesn't work? It, it doesn't work 100% because a lot of people say no. This past week, I gave away more than 100 gospel tracts. How many did you see saved? No one. I hope somebody gets saved because of those tracts. But I do not give the increase. It's God who gives the increase. Amen. My job is to continue giving it out. <laughs> Let's pray a moment, oh Lord. Tonight, we want to recommit.